Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for March 25th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer at HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh, HockeyHeads.com. This is going to be a podcast that is basically the Sidney Crosby podcast. (laughs) (laughs) He's... um, He's been busy the last few days. Uh, some really awesome, some, yeah, not so much. No. But, um, you know, plenty to talk about there, plus the overall season he's had. Scored again tonight. I believe he has 42 goals. Looking pretty pretty good for the Rocket Richard, barring any, like, long goalless streaks, which could happen, but, you know, probably not likely. So, we'll... Um, I guess we'll start there. Should we start good or bad? Uh, start good. We'll track down, we'll track down the ladder. Uh, that goal was pretty mint. It was it's... um probably the only way the Penguins are going to score a power play goal right now. It's on a on a one off rush chance because they're, they're regular power play without Gino and Latang. Not not looking so great. No, and, and this team's chances of doing anything uh riding pretty much on his shoulders um, if nobody comes back because they seem to be losing more and more players as they go along. But um, it's weird because there's, there's been legitimate criticism of Crosby on breakaways in the shootouts lately, how he, he um, kind of kept doing that slow down five hole thing yeah even though tonight's goal he put on a pretty good snapper over the glove hand in the shootout similar move but he changed up the location uh but but to see him go down and josh george's i don't know if it was george's or bogosian like he split the d obviously but if he had gone to the forehand, there was a puncher's chance that the Sabres defenseman could have hooked him or made a play on it. And he just left it on his backhand. with, <laughs> And he was using his left arm to shield the, the defenders. And he's like, ah, fuck it, I'll just roof it. <laughs> well, the, thing, the thing with that, though, is not only did he just go, fuck it, I'll roof it. He did it with technically his weak hand. Like, he didn't have it in, you know, what you traditionally call his, his power hand because of the fact he's a left-hander. And he just flicked the wrists, and it came off like a two-handed backhand. It came off that fast. And Robert Leonard was like, what? Where? Huh? How? All the Defy physics stuff was just hyperbolic, but it was it was just amazing the amount of forearm strength that Crosby has to be able to get the puck off his stick that quickly. It was amazing. I think that's the main driving Factor there, forearm strength. Uh, also helping him is um, the fact that he he plays with probably one of the more straighter curves in the league. It's a pretty flat blade, yeah. If uh, put it this way, it'd be even more amazing if Ovechkin could do the same thing with the curve <laughs> that he has. <laughs> so I don't think he can, not because he's not talented enough or strong enough. I just think that the curve helps a little bit in Sid's case. Obviously, he's well-known. A lot of Sid's best goals of all time are, are backhand. Yeah, and, and like you said, the the stick that he plays with certainly helps that. I mean, the other ridiculously awesome backhand that we've got to watch is Geno's against uh, the Oilers last year, and 
He does have a larger curve on his stick than that Sid's. That was not one-handed. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, but um, it, it does show you um, that elite players can can do shit out of the middle of nowhere if they're actually given a chance to do so. Yeah, and then uh, Sid scored tonight, so did he score against Ottawa? No, he didn't score against Ottawa. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's just amazing um, what he can do, and... He does have the team on his back at the moment. I mean, he's missing his other two, well, two of his other major possession drivers in Malkin and, and Latang, and, you know, it's basically it's basically sit on his own because Kessel's not a possession driver. That he's not. That he is not. No. I mean, his skill sets are great when the, the roster's full, but you can see that he struggles to... Um, struggles to find results because he doesn't have other people creating shots and space for him. And that's fine. Like, you know, you and I both knew what we were getting when, when they got Kessel. Like, I'm under no illusions that he was going to be some possession driver and, and, and help keep the puck away from the net because Pittsburgh is starting to bleed shots. They did tonight. Yeah. They've had a few games where it's been, you know, over 35-plus shots against, um, and I'll have to check and see how many of those are high-danger chances because if they're giving up shots... From the, the low danger chance area, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, I wrote that piece on, you know, whether Matt Murray should be concerned with the extra volume of shots that he's he's been taking this year. But if Pittsburgh are keeping them to the, the second and, and third tier um, danger level, then I'm okay with the, the higher volume. It's if those high danger chances start to increase on the team, that's when they need to start worrying. I'm okay right now because the roster's pretty shot <laughs> a lot of ahl guys up. Yeah. defense is just in shambles no offense to the guys filling in but come on cameron gaunt's two points tonight jesus i know it's as, as i'm saying that it was in the, in the back of my head yeah. and i'm just like <laughs> but you know on on at that was his first goal in five years tonight for a reason yeah. and there's just not the ability to like generate offense on the rush joining the play. Like it's just not there. Even for all the shit that, you know, I'll give Trevor Daly, he, he can join that rush and, and, and yeah. he can create a goal even in the midst of having a, a, a poor game where some of these exactly. other guys, they need to be having good games. Otherwise there's just not much there. Daly's issues aren't his ability to help generate shots and then create offense. It is it is what happens to him in the defensive zone. He gets trapped a lot. Um, and, and that's this, the same issue with, with Oli Marty. You get him in the, the offensive third, and he makes smart plays to help generate shots. Um, it doesn't translate into as much offense as I, I would expect. It used um, to. But, yeah, but, but I think that was partner-related. Um, well, even after that, it was okay. So last so, year and a half, that's kind of... They need him healthy, and that could be one of the problems for the last year and a half, but they need daily healthy as well. Like For all the negativity that I've given both of those players, it is perfectly obvious that um, they are, for this particular roster, better than AHL replacement level defensemen. And um, that being the case, it feels like this Pittsburgh team just needs that level of uh, output from... Um, 
their back end and they're going to be okay, which I didn't think was going to be the case. It'll be, well, they got to get all healthy, but I, I've, I've given some minor thoughts to what if, what if everybody was healthy, who, who would play? Is Daly out? Hainsey, Streit, Mata, I think they're all in that. I don't think Cole and Schultz are in danger of losing a spot. No, you just play whoever's playing well at the time. And if some, one of them plays poorly, you make sure that the guys that are sitting know that they're mentally going to have to get into the next game. And that's just how it works. They'll probably rotate them all. But um, it work, but that's probably what's going to happen. It's been impressive. They've been taking points in the standings. I know they lost two in a row in a shootout, which that alone should tell you that things are, are not going normal. For Pittsburgh with the talent front, usually the shooters are scoring, and, and Flurry is uh, Flurry giving up one in the shootout is kind of like an off night for him. He's he's the best of all time at it, and yeah, uh, he, he gave up two tonight. Yeah, that's one skill set you you can't take away from him. He's very very good at the the shootouts, and um, no, he's outstanding in that. I'll never criticize him in that. It, he's he's uh, great. His aggressiveness is like. That third one he stopped on Andrew Ladd, um, the two-pad stack. You get there and you could tell he was pissed after the second goal that he, he wasn't aggressive. Um, and then he's just going to fuck it. And he came out hard and didn't give Ladd any chance to make a decision when he put his eyes down. So, um, And for those that didn't see it, he, he came out with the double-pad stack with the poke check kind of thing. But what I really liked is that he cheated his pad stack more to um, his glove side because it, Lad's a lefty. So yeah. Lad could not skate the puck forehand to backhand around him. He had to shoot it into him, and it was a really well-timed, um, old-school double pad stack, and it was really great. Now, John Tavares, the attempt right before it, Flurry did a fake poke check, which, you know, that's something that is in his arsenal that he's used for for quite a while, uh, but but John's pretty good, and and I think he get he Flurry went a little too early with the fake poke check, and John's like, nah, I'm just gonna go around your blocker here. So <laughs> sometimes he it works, that- sometimes it doesn't. The times it doesn't, it's usually a, a guy like Tavares on the other end. And this is the thing, Tavares made that look very very simple. Like it was yeah. simple, but. Also highly skilled, if that makes any sense. Like it does. It was an economy of motions for Tavares, but totally yeah. very cerebral. Of yeah, I don't have to do more than this right now because I read you right. Yeah, that, yeah, and there's no need for me to try and do more than I have to because all I have to do is score. It's um, keeping it simple, stupid is often a, a good theory in a shootout. Phil deked. It was a good deke too. Rattled in the five hole. Didn't go in. Oh, well. Um, Halak, it feels like whenever Halak plays Pittsburgh, he gets a lot of that. <laughs> he looks behind him a lot, and then never quite gets over the line. Yeah, it sure shit didn't go get over the line in 2010. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> it did not. That kills me, that, that playoff run. I got to see that team live six times, and they were fucking awesome. And to they were really good. Into- and to bump into something like that, you just go, oh, well, that's just the toss of the coin in, in hockey. It's just how it works. Coin flip central. So, 
That was the Islanders game tonight. It was pretty blah till, like you said before the podcast. Last four minutes were good. Although, last thing on this game before we move on for the bad Sid stuff. <laughs> Phil regrouping on the three-on-three three separate times is a wonderful um, display Choice. of his mental awareness of what works for him, his skill set, and, and how he can create um, scoring chances. And I thought it was awesome. Because not a lot of guys have the balls to just say, you know what, sometimes the guys will pull it out of the offensive zone three-on-three three for a line change. Very rarely will guys with full possession when they're kind of in the zone, all three guys, just pull it out and say, you know what, I'm just going to take it myself. I'm just going to pull it out like pond hockey and, and just come back and beat you all. And he almost scored on that, the first initial rush. Well, the thing that was brilliant about that is, like you said, he knows his skill sets, which is speed and his ability to to dig players off and create space for himself. And um, the Islanders were tired, and the third time he did it, it's like, well, maybe the, the Penguins players were a bit tired as well, but they weren't as tired as the Islanders. Like, the, the situational knowledge of what's going on was uh, is as, as impressive as the chance that he basically created upon doing it. It's, it's nice to see... Um, when players actually do use their brains rather than just rely on their skill set. And the moves that he used were not through the defenseman. They were around, so safe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't give himself a chance to suddenly be a, a three-on-one the other way, which did actually happen. <laughs> I, I try to preach that to my, my high school players that, yes, there is a time and place to go under the stick and through the legs. It's It's when time and space is totally evaporating on you Sid's goal that the one-handed goal his skating through them all he didn't once go through the tripod area like no he skates right, he and, and stick he just he just used the speed and went around everybody or, or right up main street and Phil the same way he went around people if you keep out of that tripod area you'll have a greater uh, chance of success especially if you're a speed guy so that's something that I'm always trying to tell tell my players. The the, the fancy stuff, I, I'm not against it. I just need it to make sense when it's done. Don't just do it to do it. Yeah, which is, you, you which is tough to teach 15, 16, 17-year-olds sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I like it when the light bulb goes on for some of them and they start to make those plays look a little bit easier. And... Um, well, no shit. Some of the best players in the world do that. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Speaking of stick work, to moving on to the shit stuff about City, he should have got suspended for that nut, that nut job. Um. Okay. So we'll have a the nut things that. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's suspendable. I do because that's such a shit move. It is a shit move, but ultimately, it's not. It's an annoyance more than it is a injury thing. There's, there's no. He didn't, there's, he didn't spear him. He he gave him the old hello. Yeah, but the hello is he. There is one he purpose for that hello. I, no, I think he should get suspended. I don't. Need oh no, to I know see where you're standing. With I think if you spear the guy there, of course. Um, for that, I am not defending the action. I just think suspension's a little bit heavy. It, 
I was just about to say it's a dick move. Well, of course it is. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> Very nice. You know, I've I've been on the receiving end of that, and you know, admittedly, I've given that back before too. I just look. It's one of those things. One, it should have been a two-minute penalty or a four-minute penalty because of it being. Oh yeah, I, I, no, no problem with that. I, I I I just don't think you can get. It wasn't a vicious. It was just um, a classless, unsportsmanlike move. I I sit there. I preach. The whole don't suspend the result, suspend the intent of the action, right? And there's nothing else you can do. There's no hockey play involved in that. That is literally just go up and deliberately try and hurt a player. No, mm. it wasn't trying to like have him lose a nut or anything. But you get there and it's like there's no other there's there's no other aim of that apart from trying to make the player feel sick. And because that's all you do when you get hit in the nuts, you just feel sick like you want to throw up. So. You sit there with that, and I go, really, as a league, you're okay with that happening? And quite clearly they are, because the officials didn't even pick it up. Well, put it this way. It shouldn't have played out the way it did. No, no. And did and Sid lost a tooth later in the game anyway, didn't he? Yeah, but that was your classic high stick. No malice. Uh, Kane stick rode up Crosby stick and caught him. You know, and then you get the hyperbole with the embellishment or whatever, but he he, he lost teeth. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if, yeah. if anybody's ever been hit. And I, I still have. Well, I'm not going to say it. Jesus, jinx myself. Um, <laughs> but I've been hit in the mouth area. And while and you don't think about your reaction, but you, you, you snap back because you want to get away from that sensation. Of course, yeah, yeah, I've been hitting the mouth plenty of times playing football, and um, none of that's a but none a, of that is football. A is a, I'm not saying it hurts less. It's, it's it I does. Argue, it, I, it I would does. I would argue less of a surprise. The the worst like a stick's get... coming fast out of nowhere, like a football. You know, you kind of see it coming mostly. Yeah, but a football is like leather. It's not a hard composite stick. I've never been hurt. Like I, I wasn't in physical pain anytime I've been high sticked. It's it's more of a surprise jolt than anything. I'm not saying you can't be hurt by a high stick, obviously, but the ones that, <laughs> the ones that I've gotten where I've kind of gotten hit and jerked my head back, it's it's from the stimuli that's right at the front of your face, and you're trying to get away from it, and you know. Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Because it comes out of nowhere. You're not yeah. like, oh, wow, yeah, of course I'm going to get high-sticked right now. No, you, you would hope that as an athlete you have um, uh, enough uh, of a reaction time to, to react to it. Because if not, then you're probably going to struggle with your hands playing a sport at the speed that hockey is. So, you know, after the nut shot pretty natural to pile on the um the so 2006 embellishment crosby stuff oh yeah easy as but lazy you know like the the conversation you started in your article in regards to the fact that um and this moves on to the the, the sid slash as as well 
is things like that happen so regularly in the game that just because somebody gets injured by it doesn't mean it should be a suspension. It should be a penalty in the game. And if you punish the player on the spot for what they've done, um, then they're probably going to do it less often. Yeah, and and you know what? It's funny that... So I, I, I play Thursday nights in my own games, and um, I didn't see much of the Ottawa game. I caught a little bit of um, the very beginning of the first period, so I missed the slash. And at, after the game... One of my teammates is like, I think Sid slashed someone's finger off. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Coming <laughs> off the Buffalo game. I'm like, I don't feel like writing that article. And um, uh-huh. I, was, I wasn't I was thankful when I watched it because Mathot's finger just fucking combusted. Um, I wasn't um, happy. I was, I was happy that it wasn't a tomahawk, like, gross suspicion. Bed, like long suspension slash like I, I was thinking like it was going to be bad and the result was bad but the the play itself if you're if we're being objectively honest is a all too common every game every night slash two-handed high low slash should have been a two-minute minor. Well, here's the, here's the thing with that slash, and and quite frankly, I'm guilty of of throwing a few of those. Um, actually, yesterday, <laughs> not not like that. Usually, if I can get in closer, I push the glove more than um, come down on it, because what you're really trying to do, think about the hands moving forward for velocity to to make the pass or the shot. If you can get your stick there and stop the momentum of their hands going forward, they're either flub it or it's not going to do what they want it to do. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and, yeah, no, no. Um, the, the idea, I get the idea of what he's what they're trying to do there. It's just that that high to low uh, stick movement. A lot of players are doing that in the league at the moment, and they're not calling it. It's just it's just flat out not called. And you sit there on it and go, if you're not going to call it, the players are just going to do it. You have to enforce the boundaries. The players aren't going to create their own boundaries. No, and that's been proven time and time again. And, of course, you you know, well, at least I'm bombarded with, um, well, that's what you need enforcers for. There was less stick work then, and, and I'm not so sure about that. The first thing that I came to my mind was uh, Donald Brashear, noted enforcer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, less stick work, right? Yep. But there wasn't Twitter. There wasn't um, Stephanie, my regular face, uh, gifting every single play that ever was the way that she, she does. Is a, she is a godsend, that woman. <laughs> <laughs> and that just didn't exist then. You didn't have a hockey package. You didn't have, like, let's be honest, it, we say these things didn't happen like it's full fact, and I'm not so sure there was a lot less stick work, to be honest. Well, you go, you roll all the way back to Adam Graves slashing Lemieux, right? Yeah, I got what that was, comparison thrown out there too, and and that, what was talking, that's, what that's was not um, that's not even no no no. But who was the deterrent on that team that's supposed to make sure that doesn't happen? All the deterrent stuff that gets mentioned. It's always a fight after the event. 
It's never, oh, you've got this person in the lineup that will stop somebody else from doing what they're doing. It never works that way. It's always after the event. So they don't deter anything. They just get there and do retribution post-event. And, and that's the thing that I always find amazing with that deterrent argument. It doesn't happen that way. I mean, the Adam Graves thing is um, case closed for, for you. They, you. You just won the court of uh, hockey law. Like, if you're going to have an enforcer, the whole point is Mario Lemieux not getting slashed in the wrist and breaking his wrist. Yeah. Now, now to Rick Tockett, to be fair to him, he was not an enforcer per se. Like, part of getting him was that, but he, he could play. No, no, I, I get but, that. But, but that doesn't change point. your point, because he is, his role was also, I'm going to beat someone's ass to prevent this he was, he was on Lemieux's line specifically for that reason. Yeah, he could play and he could finish what Lemieux would start, but he was on there to, quote-unquote, protect Lemieux from getting that sort of stuff happening to him. And it doesn't stop players from doing it. It, it just... It's like when Johnny Goudreau had his wrist slashed to the crap at the start of the year, right? What's Derek Englund 21 doing? 21 times. What is Derek Englund doing? Well, I don't expect Derek Englund to do anything on some of those, or probably most of those 21, because you know what? That's the harmless bullshit play that the refs aren't calling. You can't fight every time someone does that. Thank you very much. That's exactly right. It's the officials but, that put those rules in place and actually enforce them. You know, I didn't throw this in the article, but I, you know, I, I blamed a lot of on it, on the officials, but who knows what they're being told. <laughs> it's welcome. It's, it's, it's the, it's the official, it's the guy at the top who tells them what to do. I actually think the officials do a very good job of enforcing the rules they're told to enforce. The issue is the fact that the general managers obviously go into meetings and then say to the officials, this is what we want to have happen on the ice. And Steve Walcom goes out and tells all of the officials, this is the flow of the game that we want to have. So make sure the game moves in this direction. And that's what they call. So I guess the other aspect of this conversation, because I think we've beaten that point home just since we started this podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. And we're on a hundred something <laughs> episodes now. So, uh, the other part of this, favoritism. Is there any? I say no. I know. No. I know. Certain immature people of fan bases will. Sid's an easy pinata for this. <laughs> pinata, no, Sid. But there's not favoritism because people say double standard, and I, I say it's impossible to have a double standard when there isn't one. Yeah. Good call. There's no favoritism to a star, a grind. That's the problem with all of this is it's just everybody gets to muck everybody down. This is the only league, and I've said this so many times this month, this is the only league I know that the rules are set up in a way to drag down the talent, to, to, to level it out. They are so concerned about making sure there's parity in the league that they make sure that the superstars on the teams can't be superstars. Like every team has got somebody that is an elite talent on their on their roster. And if they haven't, they've got ones that are building to be that. Yet 
they don't get a chance to actually shine and be those elite talents and show that they are heads and shoulders above the rest of the league. And that's one of the reasons why the NBA works so well, is that they do frame the, the game in a way that allows those superstars to be superstars. Not to go off on another tangent, because there's still more to that I want to talk about with Sid. The other thing the NBA does incredibly well is marketing the individuals as opposed to the teams. The NHL oh, is all about rivalry night. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of punchlines with rivalry night. Basically, it's Wednesday night hockey. Which is fine. That's what they should call it. Yeah. It's okay to showcase, like, teams you want to showcase. Don't market it that way, though. Market individuals, because what happens when those teams aren't playing that night? Yeah. There's no interest. You start marketing individuals from all the different teams, on any given night, fans, casual fans, are going to be like, oh, that guy? Yeah, sure. I'll um, I'll check it out, maybe. And I'm not saying that's going to happen all the time, but like at least you're opening the door for it to happen. Yeah. Look, look we, we know they try to, to, to artificially create rivalries. It's why the playoff format fucking sucks and why it's set up the way it is. Um, they don't seem to trust the individual talent of the uh, players to carry the league, which is ridiculous because... If they can't carry the league, then revenue is going to go down and everybody loses. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, that part of it. Yeah. Stop banging your desk. Sorry. Um, (laughs) uh, Did I lose my train of thought? Sorry. Were you going to discuss uh, Aldeck or not? No, well, in a second. It was about um, the double standard with Sid. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Sid, the golden boy, gets gets all the calls. And it, immediately in my head, I'm thinking Mark Stahl, Brandon Dubinsky. And David Steckel, which we've discussed at length. Totally not an accident. So... Here's the other thing that I looked up today that I thought was rather humorous. Sidney Crosby has not played in a lot of all-star games. Some of it's been because of these injuries on suspendable plays that have gone uncalled. And, But the Columbus year, you know, he kind of just backed out for whatever reason. And the league suspended him one game. And lo and behold, that one game is also equal to the amount of games that Sidney Crosby has drawn as a player from people beating the shit out of him. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So, while I'm not looking, like, you know, I'm not making it a contest, well, he should be drawing, like, uh, he should at least be at 20 games drawn for suspension. Like, I don't care about that. It's just, this isn't some golden boy standard. He's drawn one suspension game. The punishment that he's taken, probably, definitely, 100%, is worthy of more than that. (laughs) So, you can't claim special treatment for a one-game suspension in a 10-year career with a guy who's, you know, there's been liberties taken on him. Yeah, I think it comes down to the perception that he gets a lot of calls, and when he doesn't get calls... He lets the officials know, and and that's like you said, you loop it back to 2006, the whole 
you know, flurries are wider and he, he should shut up and just deal with it. But it would must be probably does promote Crosby as, as the, the league's best player. And you, you hear it across all the broadcasts that that's what Sid is. Like, I refuse to listen to the Root Sports podcast um, whenever I whenever my stream actually works well enough. And, and you hear it from all of them. He's the best player in the world. McDavid's close, but, you know, Crosby is still the best player in the world. Yet the game's not set up for him to just display those skills that make him ridiculously good. I hope that by the time McDavid hits his peak, which will only be a couple of years' time, the attitude of the league has changed because there'll be a new CBA in place by then, although they might miss a year of McDavid in his prime. Oh, God. Because of... Don't say it. Fuck. Sorry. (laughs) That'd be brutal. Like Sid's prime was fucked for injury. It was. And blackout. Sucks. Yeah, so it's one of those things where I'm hoping that if there is one of those dreaded things, that the the league can 2006 regenerate uh, the way they call the game. I'm not holding my breath on that, but that would be nice. Why do they need a new CBA to do that, though? Because they're idiots. They should just be able to call Because from 05 06 to 2012 13, the standard in 05 06 did not last. There wasn't a new CBA that said, hey, stop being smart about no, this. No, I know, but they wanted excitement to bring the fans back. That, that was the whole reason they did it. They wanted it to be open and high scoring and high event. Not that they used the, the high event term, but that's what they were trying to produce. They wanted it to be a speed game. Then we had a couple of injuries into the end boards because players were skating too fast, and they allowed the Detroit interference to slide back into the game where players couldn't chip and chase like good old Canadian men want the game to be, which is chip and chase and go and get the puck. But you can't chip and chase it if you constantly get interfered with after you've chipped it. It, 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 As you can tell, it frustrates the absolute hell out of me that this game could be so much more skilled and and so less hack and whack. I'm all for fast, hard body checks legally legally conducted, but the hack and whack and the drag them down, where's the fun in that? You look at LA, they are shit to watch, and they are the 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 current New Jersey Devils 1995 trap, but they do it in a totally different manner. It's successful, well, it might not be anymore, but fuck is it shit hockey to watch. They play in the wrong time zone, and I certainly don't seek them out. No, nor, and nor should you. The only reason that the LA fans are fans is because they won. It's not because they produce a good style of hockey to watch. No, they suck. <laughs> no, but back to your speed point. I I kind of alluded to some of that in, in my article today. I, I compared the, the uncalled slashes to the... How many uncalled cross-checks to the lower back do we see? Not only with guys along the wall that are protecting it like in a cycle situation. Yep. Where, you know, you you know exactly the plays I'm talking about where they're just driving on top of the top of the pants, driving down the old spine rake. And um, sometimes a player will fall awkwardly into the wall and it'll look bad and they'll get a boarding penalty. But on some of the ones you're talking about, before there was... Um, 
the hybrid icing, you'd have fast players going there, and you'd have the one player push with his either hand or his stick on the guy's hip, and they would lose an edge. That has nothing to do with speed and not calling penalty. That is, get the guy's fucking stick and arm off the guy's hip in that situation. That's where the danger was. Yeah, but instead of getting there and just going, all right, let's just call that as a penalty, and they'll stop doing it. You know, it's not it's not complicated. You know, people get there and they fear that oh, if we start calling penalties everywhere, it'll change the way the game's played. And it's like that's kind of the fucking point. This used to be a only pass backwards league, and they changed it. It, it just it it baffles me how conservative this league is in regards to moving the game into the, the millennial generation who need stuff happening. Otherwise, they get bored, to be very general to all you millennials, so apologies. Hey, I'm one. Barely. I think I'm like the first year. <laughs> or the last Oh, then I'm, out, I'm outside of it then. Yeah, yeah. you are. <laughs> Ancient piece of shit. <laughs> old, old fucking bastard I am, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess technically I, I fall barely into that. So you don't get as uh, distracted and bored quite as quickly as the rest. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, I do. <laughs> I do, and I'm I'm not in that bracket. So what can I say, really? I used to not. Like I obviously grew up. You know, internet didn't come out till middle school and stuff. You didn't have like pager days and cell phones without texting. But once the smartphones came into play and the Twitter, yeah, it's tough, tough, tough to not get bored oh, if you're not doing something. Twitter, Twitter's I fucking love Twitter and hate Twitter all at the same time. Oh, <laughs> it's like a hardcore drug. It's terrible. The highs and lows of cocaine. <laughs> Twitter. That's that's the internet cocaine. <laughs> I didn't realize I was a drug addict, but yes, you're right. When the, when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad. <laughs> well, seeing as we've gone rant central, is there anything sort of positive you want to get there and talk about? No, I was going to shift it to the Ristolainen hit. Was it yes? <laughs> No, that's perfectly fine with me. That's that's twice Gensel's been being caned without even touching the puck. Oh, and people so, are playing, oh, you got to keep your head up, you young buck, or else, uh, shut the fuck up. Onus is on the hitter these days. And it should be. We know what's going on with concussions, so it should change. But I take it that means that teams actually realize Gensel's out there and they're worried about him. Well, yeah, they should be. He's really good. Yeah, exactly. That line is so good. I am so fucking angry right now with that concussion. Because Sherry and Sid obviously are still good, but it, it's not the same. No, they, they need that, that line. That line was like generating chances per shift. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's, it's going to be a long-term Sid's best line ever. I've said it, and I'm comfortable saying it. Yeah, I, I can't argue. I'm not overreacting because, well, maybe I am, but I, I don't think I'm overreacting just because I've, oh, wow, they they had a, a lot of goals or whatever. 
just the I, I look at each individual player. I look at the contract status of the two wingers. Obviously, Sid's going to be around for a long time. It's going to be a manageable situation with the cap and the ages of the wingers. So when Sid kind of falls a little, the other guys will be, well, at least Gensel will be entering the prime years, and Sherry should still be a, a water bug, so it won't matter. Um, just has such a blueprint for long-term success. And the way that Gensel and Sherry are starting to learn Sid and get to the soft spots, and, and, and they do the interchanges of... They cycle the puck in open space, not just along the wall, and it's beautiful to watch. It is. It's it's amazing. Um, it's amazing how it looks like they know where each other's going to be. Um, I, I think you you see a lot of uh, east west passing that you you sort of go. There's that's a really risky pass, but they know where the, the players are cutting to. They they seem to understand the way everybody thinks and. Gensel, for a player that is not exactly overly massive, has no qualms at all about slotting himself in front of that net and rolling off the defender to get his stick free, to get a shot or a tip. It, it's wonderful to watch. Was. <laughs> it will be again. It will be again. So, here's the deal. Ristolainen... We did the wannabe Cronwall Rob Blake thing. And while, yes, once again, I don't think he meant to bloody and knock Gensel out with a concussion. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. But that's the same old song and dance that every one of these bullshit things happen. It's the same script. Well, I didn't mean to do that. And then his teammates are like, he's, he's an honest player. And it's like, well, of course, yeah. But guess what? You did it. And also, guess what? Drunk drivers aren't out looking to hit shit, but they do. So, <laughs> Actually, that's a really good analogy. Good point. <laughs> like, going engaging backwards, he was never in a position to pull up when the puck didn't get there. No, exactly right. Also, it goes back to my point where I think that the NHL needs to shift the um, intent of what hits actually are. And I know this is going to be a departure for a lot of people in my age bracket and older. Um, the hitting to blow somebody up is probably something that we should move away from, knowing the concussions and everything. There was no intent to play the puck on that. He engaged backwards. He didn't even know where the puck was. That was the whole problem with the whole hit. If he had an intent of separating man from puck and making a play on the puck, that, that shit doesn't happen. Yeah, and that's I think that's probably a, a, an extremely pressing point in this, in this situation is um, the idea of a hit is to separate a player from the puck, right? I know well, that, well, now it should be, be you know. I'm telling you, I was taught first guy in on the forecheck, fuck that guy up. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly right. And, and that didn't mean get the puck. It meant fuck him up. The second guy is going to get the puck. Yeah. Anybody no, who exactly started playing right. hockey in the 80s or before knows what the hell I'm talking about. There was no such thing as a 1-2-2 two, two or, or uh, a trap. It was 2-1-2, two, two, baby, and we're going we're, we're gonna to bury you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way it was. Um, 
guilty as charged, but it can't be that well, way anymore. They're still not being charged. Yeah. No, but it, it can't be that way anymore. <sighs> it, 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 it frustrates me. I, I, I don't think there's sort of any other way to, to explain it. I just get, I just get pissed at it because you're going to see good players injured um, and, you know, most often they're, they're concussion injuries for these sorts of situations and you just go, right, well, that's shit, that player's out and you never know at the moment what the consequences are going to be for that guy at 45 and beyond in his life. No, you don't. And, he, and here's the other thing. Do you want to keep that Ristolainen hit as the form of entertainment, or do you want a guy like Gensel playing with Crosby? I know what I want. Oh, well, I agree. Like, I, like I said, like there have been times where you, you see a clean body check that does actually separate a player from a puck, um, and you just go, yeah, "Fuck, that was that was awesome. That was great to that was great to watch." And, and then the um, the player gets up and off he goes. And that's perfectly fine. That's what you want to see. What you don't want to see is um, an illegal check come in, injure a player, and then the league loses that player for, you know, one to, you know, 25 games or whatever. It's because that happens across the league and the entire league loses out on watching that highly skilled player because it's usually the highly skilled players that are getting injured because the shit players are the ones that have to go and try and clean them up. So, yeah, long-term, if you want to grow the sport and have people interested and you start marketing the individuals, which we talked about earlier, you can't um, you can't allow the wrist and kind of hits anymore. And they didn't. They susp- Well, for them, it was a solid suspension. I well, would have gone, gone like five-ish. But that's because I, we're, we, me and you, are both very strict and, and know that you got to take more money from these players if you're going to change their behavior. Yeah, exactly, and it's 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 one of those things where you're right. That suspension sits right in line with the way the NHL have have got their suspensions up and going. So I can't argue that that suspension's wrong for the settings that they've got. I just don't think that the settings are right. That's all. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Because would you call that a hit, a predatory hit, or a dangerous hit? Both. Well, I can't use both in the freaking matrix, can I? I have to use one or the other. Are you tipping your hand for a listener question later? Um, well, maybe. I'm going through, <laughs> this thing. I'm going through this thing right now to, to put the thing down. Is that what the clicking <laughs> is? Yes, that's me deleting deleting parts of the thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oops. It was predatory because he's, you know, he's. I'm going to throw the word blindside out there. He's trying to catch him when he's vulnerable. Isn't that the definition of predatory? Well, that's the thing. And I don't know also what the definition is. But, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. It is it is one of those things that, you know, you, you sort of shake your head at. And, you know? you know, I guess while we're talking about him, one of these days we'll, we're going to, I think, dive into the uh, – Ristolainen, one of the worst players in the league, 
argument because um, I think it's one of the more fascinating analytical discussions out there. You, you, from the discussions you and I have had, you feel like he's playing well above his, well above his skill set at the moment, and I don't know whether he's in he a bad will... role for him. But I also yeah. think he's handling it worse than he should be. Yeah. Yep. That no, and we'll talk about this another day, but I don't think he's at the point where he's just a irredeemable overrated player for his whole career but it's too many of the stats that i look at even on a shit team and i've said before it's tough to analyze players on a colorado a buffalo and arizona at times because the team effects are just so strong oh exactly yeah you're but, exactly but he's so far down that it's tough to ignore. He's he's dropped off that far. His expected goals are... Okay, so I did a mild Justin Schultz comparison to him, and I may or may not run a blog like that um, at some point. I don't know. I was just... It's kind of how some of my statistical blogs start. I'm just like, oh, well, I'll I'll just look at this. I might jot down on a note, a sticky note somewhere and stick it somewhere near my computer. And I won't think about it to write like the next day, but maybe like in a slow day the next week, I'll reevaluate it and be like, all right, I'll run with it. And Ristolainen's, I think, expected goals for percentage the last two years is lower than any of the... Justin Schultz at Oilers. Really? I think. I lost Jeez. the fucking sticky note. <laughs> 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 so, uh, stay tuned on that. Rissalina <laughs> uh, uh, did have years that were worse than any of um, Schultz's years, though. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... But you, you, you do make a, a really good case there in regards to, like you said, it's hard to get a, a solid feel for what a player is like in a situation that is undeniably bad for that player's skill set and the role he's being asked to play is well outside the purview of what that player should be able to do anyway. Yeah, like am I gonna, what am I going to learn about Matt Duchesne's possession stats right now? Nothing. <laughs> oh, except that Colorado are bad. But Ristolainen's relative numbers are bad, so that's like a not a great <laughs> sign there on a crap team, and you're low on the relative scale relative, relative to the crap good, team. Relative is a good one to use in, in these situations, but it's obviously, like you said, it's not the be-all, end-all on that but, uh, assessment, but it is a good one to use. You know, Mike, Micah, with, with his Hockey Viz stuff, has, has done some usage uh, things and... They've come to some interesting conclusions with that as well. Yeah. That it that maybe his role isn't as difficult as I'm saying, but I, I gotta I gotta dive into that one. But Bristolinen's one of those interesting um I think it's more interesting than the the Chris Russell one. Because Bristolinen clearly can generate points on a power play. He does well with that. So like he's not void of 
being able to contribute from a skill point of view. Is he the next yeah. Trevor Daly? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. That kind of thing. So Yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you want to tackle the questions? Or do, do, do you, you have something else? Um, no, 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 I don't. I've just gone through, um, as you can tell by the clicking whilst you were talking away, I've gone through and I've done the Risto hit, the Brandon Manning hit on Gensel, and also the Tachuk elbow on um, True Doughty as well. So I'm assuming you said there's a question based around the suspension stuff? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. Because I have to, I had to do them up anyway. I want to write an article on the the wrist alignment and the the Manning hit um, anyway, because they're basically the same suspension, really. First, far away the question. Um, Bernardi twenty seven seventeen. If Benino keeps up his current form into the playoffs, are they forced to re-sign him due to a weak center market? Fair question. It is, but I say no. Yeah, I'm kind of there right now. I'm not going to let the recency bias uh, do me in on this one. Not fleet of foot. I do like his hands. His, his, he, I think he thinks the game well. Yeah, but, I was going to say. Um, his possession stats have been dreadful this year. And you know what? You know what I find funny with that is earlier in the podcast I got there and I said. Phil Kessel doesn't drive possession on his own, but the two of them together certainly help each other, or at least they did last year. Last year, um, yeah. This year, no, but he, no. He certainly could. Like you said, he's not fleet of foot, so he certainly needs speedy wingers to to work. And with what he's probably going to ask for and get with another club, I would like Pittsburgh to walk away from that. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of... It'll be hard for me to be budged from that opinion. I share that same opinion as you. Well, uh, gonna have no, to, no offense to him. I mean, what a great trade, and he's it's worked out tremendously yeah. for them. But he is he thirty? Twenty-eight. Okay, so he's he's not fast, and he's past the forward prime. So and I say no thank you. This is probably his last chance to cash in too. So there will be a team that will let him cash in. It just it doesn't need to be Pittsburgh because they're gonna have to pay they're gonna have to pay well, not so much Gensel, but Sheary's up as an RFA. Um they've got Schultz that's up as an RFA, so they have decisions to Dumoulin. make. Dumo as well. So you can't afford to throw you know, four and a half mil at a third line center because he's not going to get to play second line. Well, even you with could, Jim. just not him. Well, yeah. So, well, I'd you'd throw six mil at Stall as a third line center, obviously. Uh, um, well, I'd, uh, no, I. No, against Jordo, but probably not at this point. I would have back then, and I would still do it again now. <laughs> I, I am I like, uh, place, not yeah. to tip my hand on some off-season stuff. It's probably bad, Shit. bad business don't, by me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, Keep I'm it gonna do it. Um, 
It, it'll be interesting to see what Toronto does with Bozak. That's a good point, actually. I think Bozak could fit nicely, really nicely, as Pittsburgh's third-line center. And he would only be a one-year $4.2 million, as opposed to Benino, who's going to be looking for term at around there. So yeah, you could, that, you could almost buy another thing. year of not... Because here, here was my original plan. Don't give it away, man. No, it's past the point. It's not going to happen. We already no, gushed you... about um, why it won't work. Gensel is a center. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Check. So Gensel is a, is a center. He just so happens that he's great and can do the wing thing on either side. Uh, I was thinking about maybe plugging him into that third line center role and, and, and going strong with Sid Gino Jake. Yep. But that, yeah. So <laughs> don't split it up. Yeah. yeah I know you mean. I heard trade rumors about Bozak leading up to the deadline. And while, you know, Bozak has been crushed in Toronto over the years uh, to a certain extent, because he was, Castle centered like the number one he's not a number one center but he sure as shit can do number number three center he, he's a 50 point guy is he quick enough i don't say enough is, of toronto. is benino quick enough no but this is the thing like i i it's one of those things where i, I sit there and think about it, and if they do go with okay, the thought so says, i just laid this out for you right who was when he was the number one center, who was his winger? Yeah, no, this was where I was about to get to. Exactly, is that if Kessel's, if they run with the three lines of splitting Sid, Gino, and Kessel up, then he just goes right back and plays with Kessel uh, without having to play against the quality of competition he did as a first liner. Mm-hmm. You're putting him into a situation to succeed. It's the Justin Schultz situation all over again. You, well, you not quite. The, Bozak has but, been fine. <laughs> No, 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 but you're putting, you put Schultz into a position to succeed and all of a sudden the skill sets that everybody saw when he got drafted have shone. And you're probably finding you've got yourself as a, a second-pairing defenseman there. Now, you're not looking to see what else you can get out of Tyler Bozak in the sense of is there more out of this guy. You're just looking to maximise the output from a player that you know did okay with Kessel in I, a think, bad I think he's done more situation. than okay. Here, here are his points. 11-12, 47 points in 73 games. Lockout year, 28 points, 46 games. The year after, 49 points, 58 games. 49 points, 82 games. 35 points, 57. This year, 50 and 69. That's really good. Like, I don't know why Toronto and, would be looking to move him. I don't get that part, but I heard his name be getting brought up. Or am I crazy? Did you not hear that? I look, to be honest, I, I haven't heard that, um, but I've got rid of a lot of people that would throw that stuff out because I just can't keep seeing the garbage they put up in regards to the, the type of game that should be played. But if he's out there, you, you're right. I, if I was Pittsburgh, I would... That would be my guy. Maybe, yep. maybe do a sign and trade. You sign Benito to a stupid contract. You trade no, him no, to no, Toronto for Tyler. That. Can't do that. That's not going to work. Why not? I don't like the sign and trade idea. That's just going to be Nick. Thank you very much. This was a great mutual relationship.
and you're going to get a amicable departure. Yeah, go and earn the money that you deserve to get because you've been on the cheap for so fucking long. So, I don't know if Nick Mercadante gets a cut being a former coach, but... <laughs> oh, he should! Probably not, being a goalie. He needs to come up with a Mercad stat for his cut for any player he coaches that makes money in the NHL. <laughs> so... That was my, um, the Gensel idea didn't work, but uh, I, the Bozak thing was something that just was another one of those random ideas that I made a mental note of. I'm going to have to go through and really think about how to replace Benino. That makes sense. But I think we clearly have both said for the last five minutes or so that you're going to have to replace him. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, it's it's the ask and the length of the ask for a slow player at 28 that is my fear. Um, and you and, and just hopefully have... he has an amazing playoff run. Yeah, but, I'm, yeah. but I'm not paying for that moving forward because it's not likely to keep happening. No, you know, I, I agree with that. It's, it's a, it's, if it was Rutherford on his own, I would be scared shitless that he would overpay for Benino in um, cost and length for what the contract structure of this team is. But he's not on his own, and you pray to God that those that, well, I think know better than than him, get him to not do something stupid with that contract. Agreed. So, anything else on Benino? Now, question two. Chad Ruedel. Or, hold on. Reeser X87. Chad Ruedel, thoughts. Can he secure a spot when our guys get healthy? No. No. <laughs> Sorry. Now, no. Um, I, I'm not going to search through Google and find what I wrote about him when they made the signing. I said he was an AHL guy, that if he was called up, given the, the strength of team, he, he could look the part I think he's and he has and I think that that's why the, maybe, maybe that's not why on the first, third goal tonight that cost them the the Islanders third goal tonight I think was on him um I'm just trying to think ragged it back think. into the zone Oh, near the yeah. end of the period, probably should. Now I know we bitch about high off the glass kind of stuff or whatever, but when the clock's ticking like that, maybe you could send it on its way. Well, as a general rule, if you're going to go high off the glass, that's probably not a bad time to do it at the end of a period. Um, things that I like about him: he's willing to join the rush or at least attempt to do so. He's not afraid to shoot. I think his slap shot's hard, keeps it relatively low, gets it through. Now, it might go wide, but he's getting it through the first tier of blockers so that maybe somebody can get a stick on it and tip it back towards the net. But, you know, he's a 50.5 Corsi 4 percentage team on a top 10. You know, he's, he's, he's mildly a negative relative possession player on the team. So... He's done really well. 
like with his chance, like he should be proud of himself for he he's got a point eight seven points per sixty, which for a defenseman is not bad. I just I, I like the fact that and then the Penguins should be happy with him as well because he's he's filled a hole in a role that needed that needed to happen. Like they needed some assistance. They needed somebody to fill in a hole and he's he's done that um, very, very well, but he you can't have him be a regular, I think is what I'm trying to get to. Um, you're in trouble if he is. And from an entertainment point of view, it's not doing it for me. But he's got the, the .87 points per 60 at even strength, and um, Shea Weber, .73. So <laughs> just throwing it out there. No, I. how can you justify playing Ruedel even over Hainsey on the right side, Mata on the right side. Like, Daly, I'll listen to it because Daly hasn't had a great year. Yeah. So Daly's possession has not been good this year at all. Like, he's regressed into, you know, what he used to be. Well, he's regressed to the player that you warned us about, really. That's... Fundamentally, what's happened? Great stretch, though, when they got him. Yeah. Well, but he's he's a point eight six points per sixty, and is that not Trevor Daly's thing? Like, if if possession's not great, the offense is going to be okay. Yeah, which as you said, so Chad Ruedel's at point eight seven. He's at point eight six. Chad's doing better on the possession front because, um, you know, Trevor Daly is the worst. Penguins defender this year for possession. He's at 47.0. Ali Mott is at 49.3. And I and I have a strong argument saying Ali is at 49.3 because of Daly. So if the offense is similar and the possession is is looking better for the other guy, then I don't know how you, um, you know. I, I, yeah, I would play Ruedel over Daly, and that's about it. And I know that sounds that's crazy, so but, um, yeah. <laughs> no, your logic behind that, that runs pretty pretty smooth for me. I, I can't really argue with the, I would, the thought process. I would play well. neither, because you're talking straight Hainsey, Mata as the bottom pairing guys. Because Cole Schultz are not, put it this way, it's going to be Dumoulin, Latang. Cole Schultz, whether that's uh, second pairing or third pairing, they're not going to break that up if they have a fully healthy lineup. True. And I'm not playing Ruedel or Daly over Mata, uh, Hainsey, or Strait. I don't think. So, no, yeah, I, there's I, that. Yeah, I, yep. Um, so, I actually just, some, someone actually just sent a question and it'll transition to Mata. Do you believe the Penguins will leave Mata unprotected? Would you? Why or why not? This comes from Fry underscore Lance. No, you, you're either trading him or you're protecting him. Like, he has value, even though he hasn't had a good run of it lately. You can't leave that unprotected. There's no, no shot. All right, so... The thing with the... You're only allowed to take one player from each roster, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that right? Correct. Okay. So, Could be a flurry trade for all we know. Exactly. So 
I have a feeling that it's going to be Fleury that leaves the club and goes to Las Vegas. And you sit there and go... That's a situation so that could happen. Yeah, so it's a, it's a mute point. I, you look at the players that they, they need to protect. They can only take one player from, from each roster. There are certain players that if you, you don't protect them, I just don't think they're going to go. Like, I'd like to leave Patrick Hornquist unprotected, but they, you get there and pray that they're stupid enough to take him. Ah, uh, that's a tough one because you don't want to... Asset management-wise, losing Hornquist to an expansion draft for nothing would be piss poor. It would be if they I am not against the Penguins moving on from him, but for nothing, that's just... Like, what are we doing? No, no, I... Look, His I perceived value... He should be really high. It is. His yeah. actual value is not low, obviously. Yeah, it's not that high. No, no, it's just, it's one of those things where if we lob it back to the the, the question for for Marta, I'm I have a feeling that if they were going to try and and, and just pick him up, look, they'll protect him. I just don't think they have to. That's all. Well, um, if you're, if just, you're gonna if you're gonna make that trade, none of this matters. And that's kind that's like kind of where. I, yeah, that's kind of where I sit with it. I, I I just think that I think that well, Fleury's not going to be on the roster next year. And I just think that's where he ends up, and they'll do it via. We'll give you a second round draft pick as well, um, and and that's why I think they they need to move on with four assets rather than lose him um, for free, like you were just saying, to recoup those draft picks that they have to fork out for getting rid of Fleury off the book so they can keep Murray. Um, it's going to have to be that sort of wheeling and dealing that means that Fleury doesn't cost the club too many draft picks. People have been asking, not not tonight for the podcast, but like, are you going to go seven forwards, 3D, or eight skaters? And it's too early for me to to answer that. I just think there's so many variables, and I have to learn more. Like... This trading window and, like, all this stuff that, you know, information I didn't have in the summer. Like, I looked in, into it in the summer. I've totally thrown it on the back burner since the Penguin season started. So It's it's almost like the league has deliberately made these complicated and complicated. Oh, yeah. And it ends... Ah, classic. Classic NHL. Because, like, it's, it's one of those things where... Almost everybody plays fantasy hockey in some way, shape, or form. This is just the same thing. Like the amount of awesome fun you could have, um, you could you could even have a competition on the NHL website to see who gets the roster the closest to the Las Vegas roster. You put it in like they do for their freaking playoff prediction stuff that they do. You could do the exact same thing with that, but nobody fucking knows what the rules and exceptions are to try and get this thing done. Except Mike Colligan. I bet he knows. Well, I get good point, actually. <laughs> I <laughs> yes, don't. I, get. I don't. But no. he, what a godsend he is. Like, he, he's like a hibernating bear. <laughs> a few times a year, he pops out, and he just throws golden nuggets at everybody, uh, just um, with his insight on the CBA stuff, and then he's gone. 
But damn if oh. those tweets aren't so valuable to understanding how all this mess works. Because it's it it is it is messy, it, and it's it's a little baffling, but I shouldn't be surprised. So, I would protect Ali Mata if there's not a flurry trade. And I would and I would. I'm not a person that's against going the the four forward four D combo. Yeah, we'll I'm just I'm just looking through some of the the roster at the moment. They're only forced to for the back end. They're only forced to protect Latang. You know, everybody else is everybody else. They, that, that, that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, but you, you know, you, you sort of sit there and look at it, and I don't know. It, it's so hard because you've still got Schultz's extension that has to be worked out. Dumoulin as well, like that. Those what they pay those well, there's guys. Three. Will... There's your three. If they extend yeah. Dumoulin or Schultz. There's the three. There you go. So it, it sort of answers itself, doesn't it, really? it's. It, I, I trade Mata before the shit hits the fan. I've been saying trade Mata for a bit, <laughs> so I guess yeah, I'm you a wanted, person to ask. You, you wanted to rip off Winnipeg and get Truba coming back the other way. Ooh, you may provide to me a, a segue here. <laughs> okay, next question. Jordan, 16, Faulkner. Biggest disappointment, team and or player-wise, this season. I think Winnipeg has a strong yeah. case. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I think given the way that division has shaked out this year, like we thought it was going to be like – I thought the Central was going to be what the Metropolitan was. Yeah, I agree. Yep, we and, both did. And what a missed opportunity – for Winnipeg because they have the top end talent. They have some really nice defense, but like Buffalo and, and Truba are really good. Line A, line A is amazing. He, he's a rookie, but he's playing like a 24 year old prime time forward. Uh, Brian, Brian Little, uh, who's hurt, I believe right now. It's totally underrated so. center. Mark Scheifele is, is, is a top center in the league. Yeah, that no, nobody no, they, talks they, about because they, I don't know why he he's awesome. They have guys, and then they got Chris motherfucking Thorburn in there. Who so this, I used to see this, at sub shops here in Rochester when he was a freaking <laughs> Amherst. <laughs> the thing that I they remind me a little bit of those. I'll call them the Craig Adams Penguins team. If you get what I mean, when when Adams was there, Penguins. Yeah, Pittsburgh had Pittsburgh had. No depth, right? So they literally rode the coattails of their top-end talent. Now, the difference between Winnipeg and that team is the top-end talent that Pittsburgh have got and had back then is better than the top-end talent that Winnipeg have got. Totally. If you add it all up, you get there and you go, you've got two generational centers versus pretty much everything else that, that Winnipeg have got. Um, and Pittsburgh's goaltending was a little bit better than what Winnipeg's is. But yeah, the depth that year was okay. Yeah, so the depth that, that Winnipeg have got and their goaltending is what is killing that team. Like, I follow a couple of guys that are, like, all over Winnipeg, and, and their biggest complaint is the construction of the bottom half of the roster in regards to the bottom half of the roster gets mixed in with the talent. So the talent can't even be as talented as it should be. Their depth is and bullshit. Then, yeah. And it's and, self-inflicted. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. And like, I don't like Nick Patan. Am I right? Nick Patan's a, one of their young prospect guys. Oh, asking the wrong guy now. Yeah, uh, God. Garrett Hall does a lot of great statistical work. He's, yes. He's, he's a Winnipeg-based um, writer and, you know, analyst. I, I want to say he's thrown his name out as kind of a prospect that's being buried behind um, these guys. Like Nikolai Ehlers is okay, somebody really that – Yeah, and – you, you but then you have Thorburn fucking yeah. playing. Uh, what's the other guy? Lowry. Lowry. But there's one more. Who the? Tanev's brother? No. Who is it? I can't. Postma? No, he's. Isn't that the defense? Well, Stewart's doing okay. No, Stewart's. I, I was thinking of a forward. Oh, okay. Sorry, it's, it's no, just... it's no big deal. I, we don't have to, you know, str- but is... struggle to figure out Winnipeg. Yeah, it is. It is one of those things where you're right. I, that was a great question. Winnipeg for me probably would be the, the biggest disappointment. And Peluso. You have... it's good call. Yeah, that's who it was. Well done. Well, I don't know if he's even on the team this year. Uh, he's... he's not. He's... At least he hasn't played 200 minutes. I, I looked at last year. That was who I was yeah. thinking of. He's okay. So hey, kudos to you, Winnipeg. You don't play Peluso anymore. Yay. No. <laughs> um, Kyle yeah, Connor, it, it, though, a guy like him for next year. Like, they got some really cool pieces, man. Yeah, they just need to. They just need to play the right combination of players, and I don't know if. I think Shiveldayov and. Um, Oh, God, I've forgotten the coach's name. Um, that's going to look... Paul Maurice. I think they're actually on the same page. I just don't think that page is right for the roster they have. Um, a couple of tweaks with a couple of um, better possession players for their bottom six and um, a bottom-pairing defense pair that doesn't get uh, trashed in their own zone. Um, and who knows? Maybe Connor Hallibuck will be the goalie they think he was going to be. Um as opposed to the stuff that he's sort of throwing out there at the moment, um, they need to they need to kind of work that out because or you he's an RFA for Perot, you know. <laughs> no, but it's funny it we're, we're we're talking about bottom six uh, jet stuff. Perot is an amazing signing for them. Yeah, like one what like he doesn't cost all that much, and. Um, Three million, and then four. He's signed for a, a good bit of time here. That that's good to lock him in. Players okay. are better with him than without. I just worry for them. Little's going to be a pending UFA next year. Uh, if you're if you're Brian Little, what what's keeping you in in Winnipeg? I I, I don't know. That that's the problem. Though. They've got some decisions they have to make to try and keep players around. He does not get the credit he deserves. I, I rode when he was little was playing with Kovalchuk, wasn't he, when they were in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. I think he rode shotgun. I, I rode Brian Little all the way to the final game of the year in a fantasy year because he was so underrated. He just he does so many good things. He's a 1.9 uh, 
points per sixty player the last three years combined. Yeah, that's uh, maybe um, that's comfortably top six, very comfortably top six. And he gives you some flexibility, and then he can play left wing and center. And he's skilled enough that he can, if you want to throw um, Patrick Wano with him rather than with Shifley, you can throw a little bit of extra depth down your lineup by doing that. He's also so, a uh, positive 3.1% relative possession player. His raw possession data for shot attempts, 53.3% during that three-year stretch. Quality, quality player that nobody talks about. Uh, people just like to ignore him. To their own. One of my own. Um, one of my high school friends that I played with that played in the OHL uh, played on his line. He's 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 always said really positive things about him. So I've always kind of been a Brian Little. Uh, I've been following him along the way just because of that personal connection, indirect personal connection. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, but he's 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 always been really good, and you know you hear a little bit. Like, oh, when I was with him, like, he, he did these things well. And you, you kind of see it in the NHL, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, he kind of led us into that Winnipeg conversation. But it, do you see a bigger disappointment for a team this year? Um, not um, – maybe Florida. Okay, um, that's I, – I think that's a fair – You know – Basically, it, it seemed like... Injuries they are at take, play there more so. Yeah, but for them to publicly come out and say, right, we are going to go against the grain in a sport that is old... I don't and think they came out and said these things. Their hiring spoke that. Well, the implication was there, but right? But they didn't and, say it. Like, they weren't being jack. Hey, we're the computer boys. Fuck y'all. That's okay. The, get, right, I mean, that did not saying, happen. Right. You get what I'm saying, though, and everybody that is anti that stuff was praying for them to fail, and particularly after Gallant got fired because of how poorly they went about actually doing it, I don't think I've seen a a, a, a media stretch that has been so anti-18 to succeed, and everything that could have gone wrong did. Two of their best players went down for most of the year. They lost Ekblad. Um Luongo got injured, not that... that um, Here's where they dropped the ball. Like, all that is so true, and that's why they were stuck for a bit, right? Yep. But when Boston fired Julian, they, yeah, went, that's they, what they had climbed back into that picture. I thought Julian would have been a great fit in Florida. Not that he isn't in Montreal, but you know, that's Tom Rowe, you really, that, like... That one scares me because he's the GM. Sorry. And there's a part of me that makes me think that he's going to go, you know what, I can do this job. I just didn't have any players, and is that's why we... No, I don't think he is. I, no, huh? is he the GM, though? Yeah, well, he, he was when... Um, I know what the title is. Like, is that how it's being run? Well, that's the way the public it, it is. It is the most fascinating front office, though. Yeah. It it just feels to me like he's going to try and keep the job, and he's not up to it. That team wasn't terrible without all of those stars, and when they got them back, it feels like they've gone backwards a little bit. 
And if you're a good coach, that doesn't happen. Kind of um, shifting directions from the, the question asked, but what does Yager do? And then I'm not asking, is he going to play? I'm asking, is he going to play in Florida? Um, the question would be, are they going to keep him with with the two young guns? Um, if they're not, not I, I, okay. That aside, let's say they tell him that he's a UFA. Yager, and I don't view this as a fault, is going to play his hand because he, if I'm correct, he resigned with Florida well before. You know, heading towards the yeah. end of the year last time around. Yeah, I, no, think, he, he I think he's going to hit the market. All right, so what are the states that have no income tax? Um, I heard Dallas, I heard Pennsylvania just passed a law, but only in Southwest. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. <laughs> um, I, 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 okay. You you want me to go fanboy on this? Don't do that. Oh, I know I what am. you're going to say. Oh, go on. I am. Go right. on. Let's go. Um, Patrick Hornquist yes, trade. Hornquist. Right wing spot. Right. It's not going to go with Sid because Gensel's there. Or Shiri. Yeah. Uh, it, Gino, it, baby. Like, you know what would be hilarious? And he's he going to take back. the half wall on the power play. Sid's going to go down low and Malkin's going to play the right point. Oh, it's going to be glorious. <laughs> you know what's funny, though? All those, all those fucking dickheads in Pittsburgh that boot him are going to be the ones that sit there and cheer his ass off if he ever did that. Well, I'm not going to yell at him for cheering him, but, yeah, that, that you can't go back in a time machine. and You can't wash that filth off of you. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, and they'll be the same dicks that are fucking booing Josh Hosang for honoring Lemieux and wearing his number. Fucking knobs. Uh, did I say it last podcast? I must have the podcast before. I wore that number, and I think I led the goddamn league in penalty minutes. I was a disgrace to that fucking number, and I loved, I and wore, I loved the I, guy. <laughs> I, I wore that number playing football. Yeah. I was the only person that had a number above 40 in the league. I, was, I won a grand final at wearing 66. What, so does that make me a bad person because I'm honoring the guy that you know I idolized as a kid? It's like the fucking logic behind booing him is so fucking dumb. It's like... This is going to have absolutely no referential view at all. But Penguins fans are exactly like fucking Collingwood fans here in the AFL. I um, absolutely no fucking brains. I used to enjoy. Uh, I only wore it for for one year. I was um, fourteen, I think. Like I liked hitting people at that point in time of my hockey career, and uh, <laughs> you would go to Pittsburgh because they were in our league. Um, and I would have 66 on, and, and it would almost invite the um, conflict, and, and I, and I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so if you want to get bothered by somebody wearing 66, throw your hatred at me, not Josh Hosang, who's doing a much better um, respect factor um, wearing of the number. <laughs> Than, than he I did. Good so yell at me, not him. Hosang looks good too. I'm I'm hoping that 
he keeps trending the way he is at the moment. He's quick, he's shifting, and he's got good hands. So Okay, so he, um, here's what I noticed tonight. And n- by no stretch do I believe it, it, it'll be a long-term thing. I thought he was, like, spastic with um, his stick handling, like overly jittery. You could tell he has good hands, but, like, overly excited tonight, maybe because he was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I don't see the Islanders out right now, like, as a viewing thing. But um, I have seen junior highlights, and he's very smooth. He was more good hands, but, like, you know, hopped up on a stimulant. Yeah. It wasn't the, the, the smoothness that I have seen him exhibit in the past. Uh, he's going to be a fun one to watch if he keeps tracking the way. But who gives a shit about tonight's sample size in the grand scheme of things, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, uh, glad to see him up, glad to see him, uh, you know, it's earning funny, zone right? entries with speed. He had an assist um, on a cross play on a two-on-two. He, he's going to be just fine. And, and quite frankly, I was um, disappointed when the Penguins passed on him. Yeah, but the Penguins weren't the only team that passed on him. It's it's once again. No, but that's the kind of guy they were looking for. Like, yeah, but quote unquote, he is a black guy that has freaking off ice issues. It's like the league just paints itself into a racist fucking corner. It's just ridiculous. So many teams pass on him because quote unquote he's not great in the room, and it's like for fuck's sake. So. The the reason I'm not too upset about it anymore is because... Gensel? No, Phil, Phil's a penguin. Cat Kaepernick <laughs> is what got him. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, I see what you So, mean. like, hindsight, sure, but um, I, that, I thought that was the kind of player that they were uh, pick 22-ish or something that year. I thought I that so. was, um, rather than spend it on a ceiling top or bottom six guy spend it on the risky um attitude highly skilled guy but they didn't either they they chose a different skilled guy which is why it was okay right yeah right i mean but i was he was on my radar and i'm not gonna pretend like he wasn't and i'm not just because uh he's not black and gold these days with his uniform i'm not gonna pretend like that changes anything i said about him no, I exactly. thought it was cool that um, Mario came out and something that he didn't have to do, but you know what? Cool thing to do, and I thought Hosang's um, response to it when he found out was was cool as well. I thought exactly. I think he's handled it quite well, and um, yeah, booing him. That's I don't know, man. I'm not. Listen, fans can boo the opposition. I, I just think that reason is kind of... Oh, I'm all for them booing. Don't get me wrong. But not for that stupid fucking reason. It's like it's a goddamn number for starters. Boo the league for not retiring it if you don't want anybody else to wear that number ever again. Not the player who chose to, to do it because he idolized Lemieux. That's the thing. You're basically booing him for liking, you know, the owner of... Loving because you got to love Mario to put that number on because you know yeah, what that means. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. If you're going to boo somebody, boo me. I wore it. <laughs> you know, boo me. So, all right. 
Are you ready for, for the question that you know is coming? I've been waiting for this one. Fire okay. away. I saved, the, saved it for last. The Chad Tully. Top five favorite movies of all time. Do you have a all number right. one? Um, I, I have a number one. All right, I have a number one, but it's a part of a, of a collection that oh, I like. Oh, I bet, and I, I'm, I'll be so shocked when I hear what collection it is. All right, cool. So my favorite movie of all time is Empire Strikes Back. So I can that's watch that the movie. third one, right? No, that's the middle one. That's the second. So you've got Star Wars, Empire Strikes Return Back, of the Return Jedi? of the Jedi. Sorry? Is the third one Return of the Jedi? Yeah, so the Return of the Jedi is the one with all the little Ewoks. I've the watched the first one. Right. Or the third one in the timeline. The original. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just Watch okay for me. I don't... Yeah, so there's... Like, I get it. There's the... Your um, faction where you guys love it, and I respect it. There's people that, like, hate it, and I'm just like, that that was okay. Yeah. I don't see oh, that, I don't... but that was okay. But I did not go yeah. past it. So that no, is no, uh, no. movie two is Star yes. Wars the second original is yeah so is your, is your movie. Back. all right so you you're doing a little bit of an action thing uh probably what's your number one Dumb and Dumber <laughs> <laughs> of course it is <laughs> love it <laughs> oh that's that's great oh like that. it is great. There is not a bad part in that movie. That is a perfect comedy. That is the best comedy of all time. And fuck you if you don't agree. <laughs> so is now a bad time to tell you I've still not watched it? No, it's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> no, honestly. It's um, it's a... Jim Carrey so good in it. Jeff Daniels is so good in it. Um, it's... It's amazing. I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could watch it for the first time again. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to say anything about it. Um, you can, you can experience I will get to it, it, it yourself. I will get to it, and I will then give you a review <laughs> on the podcast, hopefully. Yes, 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 yes. That is my uh, favorite movie. Uh, if it's on, uh, I'm stuck. There it is. Yeah, I know what you mean. So that's like the only part of this question I'm really sure of. I, I don't really think about... I could probably name my top five TV shows easier than I could my top five movies. Yeah, you see, this is the thing for me. I have no idea why my brain works this way, but I seem to have... I seem to get an emotional attachment to a movie as opposed to a TV series because there's so many things to view through a series see i'm um, the opposite i don't i don't go to the movie theater often but no, no, i no, watch no. i watch so many tv series it's probably unhealthy <laughs> like I, like i don't i don't frequent the movies much anymore with the ability to be able to stream everything i watch it at home like i'm lucky enough to have a, a 3d tv so if something comes out in in, in 3d i can I can watch it in, in 3D in the comfort of my own home and um, in, enjoy it in that aspect. Like, I have gone and seen the new Star Wars movies when they've come out in the cinema um, in a 3D environment 
basically just because I, I could, but I don't, I, I watch movies very similar to the way you watch your TV at home. And, um, usually I, I watch a lot of them at once when I do it. Do you have a, um, a straightforward number two? Uh, I do actually. Is it another one from that series? No, it's not actually. It's Dogma. Dogma. Is that a Kevin Smith movie? It is. It's it's a brilliant piss take of the ridiculousness of religion. I just find. I maybe just I'll find give that it... one a look because I'm not the, not to take the podcast this way. I'm not the hugest fan of organized religion, even though I'm raising my kids Catholic. Yeah, it's for, for me. It's the delivery of it. I have nothing wrong with uh, people having a faith in something. It's the um, it's the well. It's why it's called dogma. Listen. The dogmatic way upon which it is delivered is what worries me about it because it's all written by men for men from the men's perspective of the world, and I don't. But, as but a not even expect- that. We're talking thousands of years ago, and we have like modern examples of like Scientology coming up. We have yeah. uh, Mormonism coming up where these stories are just absolutely, completely fucking absurd, which what makes you think it's any different 3,000 or, you know, whatever thousand yeah. years ago? Like, those, You're exactly it, right. it's like, I don't want to go too great. Like, it, it's almost like a con <laughs> man kind of shit. Did. This is taking a sharp turn. It is, but but at the same time, I'm my personal beliefs aren't anti-God. I don't have an answer for any of this, and I'm not going to dismiss it. But let me tell you, a guy being resurrected three days after death, I got some skepticism there. I just, <laughs> I, I just do, even though even though my kids are going to Sunday school because you know I don't think the wife listens to the podcast, but. She, just fine. She, I'm okay with that. And in a lot of organized religions at their core teach very good values, and I'm not against any of them. No, you, yeah, you've, you've said that really well. But before you and I get ourselves into trouble, what's your second favorite movie? Well, I'm already in trouble if the fucking wife decides to download one of these goddamn things. This one. <laughs> this one specifically. So, um, second favorite movie. Oh man, I don't, I don't have one, and here's where I'm gonna cop out. In a sense, I'm a sucker for Bond movies, and I'm a sucker for the Bourne movies. I, you know what, I can understand why you, you've grouped all that together. That makes sense. That that's my kind of movie, and I know they're not the best of all time. Some of them, some of them are better than others. Like, um, this the second Bourne movie was really good. I thought. I, I like both of the first the, the first two. One and two of those are I like fantastic. them all, except the, the one without... Even the one without uh, Matt Damon was watchable. Sorry, I haven't watched the one without Matt Damon. I just I haven't been able to, to do that. It was on Netflix, and I was like, ah, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, all right, that was cool. Not, actually, no, I didn't say that. It was acceptable. <laughs> so, so, like, Bond and Bourne, but then, like... I, it's almost like my NBA argument from earlier. I'm almost uh, I follow individuals more than teams. Do so you follow actors more than movies? 
Sometimes, and most times when you follow the good actor, you'll get a good movie. So like someone like Leo, uh, I, I really love Catch Me If You Can. I was going to say that too. Really? Okay, so not, like... Not at my least, but yes, as soon as you said Leo, I love that movie. Right? So like that kind of movie, I know The Departed had like Jack Nicholson's a little bit over the top in that, but like that's a really good movie with Matt Damon from Bourne. So obviously that would appeal to me. I haven't actually watched that movie in like over five years, but at the time I, I very much enjoyed it. So, and then saving private Ryan is one of my top five movies. I think as far as war movies go, like it's tough to beat that one. I'm a, I, I'm not a world war two buff, but we haven't cut the cord at my house yet because my wife likes all that TLC bullshit. Once again, hopefully she doesn't download this podcast, but her fucking taste <laughs> in some of this television, that that 500 pound... Uh, do you have TLC in Australia? No. Uh, thank Christ for you. And I say that after <laughs> that religious conversation. <laughs> I'm glad you saw the irony of that. That's very funny. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, but it's just part of my vernacular at this point in time. Of course it is. Yeah, it's just a bunch of shit, man. Just shit. But we We, can't cut the cord because she likes it. But at the same time, I got the Smithsonian Channel, which is like... It has World War II stuff. And, like, I do very much enjoy, like, History Channel stuff like that. So any movie that kind of gets into that background, I'm pretty good with. Yeah, no, no, that's that's fair enough. That's that's uh, I I'm not big on um, I say this going Star Wars fan, which is about war and stuff like that. But eh, not that's pretend- really that's fiction. That, that's what I mean. Like that's pretend. Like as soon as we start getting into the the real stuff, like the stuff you're talking about, I just lose interest in it because it's like too many lives have been lost with this stuff over things that should never have occurred. And I just, I find it very depressing. And I can respect the work that goes in to make those things because the amount of research to make that stuff happen and, you know, things like Saving Private Ryan, to make that look as realistic as it is. Oh, um, man, what a, what a filming job. And then to take it, to expand it further, HBO Band of Brothers is one of my top five um, TV yeah, I can't. things. I, I, I literally can't, I just can't do it. Did, have you? Oh, it's funny. Someone. If you watch the someone, Pacific, the second version of it, guess where they go? No, thank you. Australia. They, there's a yeah, I know. Rest. They go to Darwin. So. so yeah, it's it's one of those things where I can't I can't do that kind of stuff. It's just I can understand why people are interested in it and then get into it, but I'm sure it, by now Australia's role in it wasn't quite as. Like you're not as emotionally invested because it's not. No, 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 no. It is a humanity feeling inside of me okay. more so. The fact that all of these people got killed for no good reason. You know what I mean? Like the whole war thing started over something that was just stupid. Like you had to go and defend the rights of people. It's like the stuff that's that's happening now. It's it basically started in Iraq over war, over oil, so like over resources. That's the thing that. I just can't get my head around it. So part of, you know, my personal interest in that, it it does stem from a very uh, 
my my grandfather was on the USS Missouri, the same ship that Japan signed their surrender. Oh, well, you've got a, a massive emotional attachment to all and of this. Thank God stuff. he was on that ship because I wouldn't have been a thing. <laughs> 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 you watch the Pacific, and uh, you can see just uh, you know you could be a great soldier, but it's random. Well, you will, yeah, exactly, and it's it's that random loss of life that that frustrates me um, in this day and age, and that's why I struggle to go back and, and watch those sorts of things. I just don't like the the reality of it. Yeah, it's it, it's not easy, but it keeps you grounded. Like, oh, sure the, it would. <laughs> the sacrifices that were made to kind of breed our future. Uh, country success even though we're in kind of a weird <laughs> weird point right now yeah um yeah, yeah. i don't everybody was on the same team versus hitler and the japanese there was no well maybe i want to be on the other side no back then no. it was pretty cut yeah. and clear kind of thing and and people are sacrificing themselves for the the greater good and it was very cut and dry yeah it, and it, this the, it wasn't a vietnam thing put it that way it was, yeah or or what we're going through right now as well it is it's it's one of those things that you you're right back in, in world war one or world war two it was we the, were isolationists we weren't even the ones poking the bear at the time no that's right um, oh boy have we come a long way <laughs> your, your economy's built on that um Damn. movie number three. movie number three my movie number three is fuck you <laughs> What? For that little underhanded comment. No, you're not wrong. But <laughs> I don't know. You're not what wrong. Did you, I heard did you, you hear a little that? economy comment. <laughs> anyway, no, you're not wrong. Movie number, <laughs> but... movie number three for me is The Matrix. Okay. I have um I haven't seen that in a while. I I love that the the ignore number two and number three but number one for me as a movie just fascinates me every time I, I watch it. I just I love it. Well, really, uh, one of the modern sci-fi masterpieces. Well, yeah, it, it brought a lot of stuff that's, that's used just all the time now that people take for granted. It, it, it was groundbreaking in its filmmaking as well. So um, just the whole concept of the – I mean, you look at it now, how plugged in we are to the internet um, and to digital um, devices. It was sort of ahead of its time in regards yeah, to the way – it really was. It really was. It, it, it was an interesting look on on that development. So, Kiana, I just watched the first John Wick. So did I. Awesome. <laughs> and I know Travis Yost uh, was on talking about how great the second one is, and I have one of them Amazon Fire Sticks where I can kind of get what I need. Yeah. But but it's still in the theater, so the camera is not great. So I'm um holding off to see the second one in fact you know yes. what I, I will probably go and actually pay the real money to go see it because i am not against paying people for their content by the way you should pay people for their content at patreon.com slash hockey hurts <laughs> what a league that's hilarious um no, i'm the same as you i don't mind paying people for content what i do what i do hate is companies that uh delay bringing stuff over to this country and then have us pay more. Yeah, you're in a different dynamic. That, and we complain that, about our I, internet, and I'm sure I'm not in the Comcast um, block. 
like Comcast doesn't own the whole United States. Yeah. But what we feel about Comcast is like your high end ceiling in Australia, from what I gather, with your telecommunication industry. Yeah, the government that's in at the moment gutted a ridiculously awesome um, infrastructure project to put cables in every house across the country, and they gutted it, and it's not happening now. So it's basically cable to uh, a node, and then copper wire all the way from the node to your house. So it's like putting a, a waterfall into a fucking funnel. For does It's just, yeah, not good. Uh, but yeah, John Wick, I enjoyed that. So cool. Love all the headshots. Because it's fiction. Well, that does help. And they won't get CTE, <laughs> obviously. No. <laughs> they expire. <laughs> that, that does help. Um, I've just realized there's a movie that's just come out that I want to put in this, but I don't know if I can. Like, I've already cheated with my top five. So, Skyfall is one of my favorite Bond ones. I'll throw that up there. Really? That's interesting, because I hear very mixed reviews on that. So it does show you how individual each movie is, doesn't it? I thought it was really good. I like Spectre, too. I mean, I think Daniel Craig's been an amazing Bond. Casino Royale was great. The only one that was so-so was um, the second one. What, What the hell was that called? shows you how bad it was. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It just shows how bad my memory is. It was uh, Quantum of Solace. So even the name itself is like, what? But, you know, then I can talk about the Sean Connery ones. Or Pierce, oh, Bro- Con- Pierce Brosnan right. was a good bond with bad plots. Goldeneye was good. What about, well, that That made one of the greatest computer games of all time, didn't it? Funny enough, would you like to hear this? I have, I have a Wegmans bag. Some some people will know. Wegmans is the best supermarket in the United States, based out of Rochester. <laughs> my buddy finally dropped off some of my N64 games back to me. Yeah. I got Goldeneye in an arm's length for me right now. <laughs> That's a game you can lose yourself in for days. No, not anymore. No? Doesn't yeah. hold up? No, I, um, it's not bad. But think about this. All the, the first-person shooters that we have now, you got mm. your left thumb and your right thumb, so you're, you're not only moving forward, backward, but you can choose your, your vision. There's only the one no. joystick on the N64. So going back to that, it's, like, tough. The game's still awesome, don't get me wrong, but it's there's an adjustment to the controls where you used to take that for granted as the standard. Yeah. But amazing game. So basically you've gone for a composite gone from a composite stick to a wooden stick. I like wooden sticks. <laughs> yes, but you like a Nintendo sixty four as well, so this is the thing. It's the problem. I'd rather you've got. have a P eighty eight wooden stick. Than Justin Bailey's composite stick that I'm using right now. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'm just happy I've got a stick now. I usually will get the one pieces left over from the, the right-handed Amherst players on any given year. Jeez, and, that's a... uh, 
Justin Bailey was this year's, and I don't care for his curve. Joel Armia was the year before. His was okay. And uh, actually, funny enough, Ristolainen was one of them. <laughs> and guess who the other one was? Well, you can't guess. You won't. Pat Coletta. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Super pissed. Yeah. But my uh, my curve is the P88, and um, none of these players <laughs> use that. Closest was Armia. So I'm just being a cheapskate and using these curves when I should just be using my own. Oh, sticks aren't cheap. Nope, but these ones are. That's exactly right. If you can get them on the cheap, you get them on the cheap. Simple as that. All right, so have you got a number four? Um, okay. It's not my number four favorite movie of all time, but I'll just throw out a movie that I saw recently for random reasons. Uh, that yeah. Budapest Hotel one that won the Oscar. What the hell is that? The, the, the one that has... Um, I know Jude Law is in it. Uh, oh, good God. Uh, didn't I I've never I don't know. All I know is that they fucked up the, the Oscar Grand thing. Budapest That's... Hotel. It was a very enjoyable I... movie. I I'm just sorry. saw it recently. I have never even heard of it. Really? Bad is that. Yeah, but don't forget, I don't live in the movies, as we can tell by the fact that we do this William podcast. William Defoe's like, in it, Jude... Jeff Goldblum, Jude Law, Bill Murray, Ed Norton. Not Owen Wilson. That's terrible on my behalf. But it was a, it, it was kind of an indie movie. It wasn't totally well known. Ah, oh, my wife normally gets me to the indie movie thing, so you're closer to Budapest than I am. I think. Oh, so we're gonna go movies on location now? No, no, <laughs> but it it was a clever little movie that uh, one night I just said, uh, "Screw it." It was actually the same night I watched John Wick. <laughs> go figure. Sounds <laughs> like a very interesting evening. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that is not my fourth favorite movie of all time, but I thought it was uh, intriguing because I don't have. Yeah. All right. So for me, my fourth favorite movie of all time is the original Austin Powers. Okay. It's not a top five for me, but uh, my baseball coach uh, brought us to the theater and and we watched that in high school. And it at the time, sure, that it's funny as shit. The thing, the thing for me with that movie is that that was my first year of uni, and okay. uh, I did. Um, by the time it got out on DVD, I basically did all of my first, uh, my second semester's worth of study with that on in the background. So now, when the movie comes on, I can still, um, I can still remember uh, economic equations when certain lines come up in the movie. So it just takes me back to a really good time. But I find the, the comedy in that, like my wife struggles to watch it. I just find it so funny, just the stupid lines and the innuendo and. All that stupid stuff. Best part of that whole movie is when he's reversing the, the little scooter car thing and he gets it stuck sideways and you just see him going back and forth. I don't know. Is that the movie that his Who Does Number Two Work For? Yes. Okay. So that, that's probably my 
yeah, of the three of them, that's that's my favourite. Um, and I'm trying to work out whether that's my favourite or the second one. Second one's think, second second one's good too. Yeah, but I mean, you Heather, know, Heather Graham. Yeah. Yes, and that's the thing. It's like, am I liking the second movie because it's good, or just because Heather Graham is in it as well? Boogie um, Nights. Maybe I'll make Boogie Nights my fourth favorite. Yeah, well, there's good reasons. There's two good reasons for that. Um, yeah, so that that'd be my fourth, and my fifth would be. Um, I'm trying to work out whether it's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, although you might know it as a Sorcerer's Stone, um, or Deadpool. One of those. Deadpool two. was cool. I like that 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 they took a comic book thing, branched totally away from it, made it humorous and more like adult worthy. Yeah, it's so fucking funny. It was. He did a really nice job playing that role. Yeah, and and I'm glad they're doing a Deadpool too. Um, oh, they are. Yeah, that's so. Great. Yeah. So I mean, it's one of those things where you know we all know I'm a Star Wars fan. The the new Star Wars movies that have come out have, have been great. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed all of those as well. Piggyback off your Austin Powers. I, I'll throw old school in there. The Will Ferrell. Really? Because I'm a massive Anchorman fan as well. Oh, which is, Anchorman. You know, this, I forgot about Anchorman. You know, See, that's similar sort of... I knew that you would lead me to... <laughs> yeah, Anchorman. Because, you know, I love Zoolander as well. Like, you can see, the sort of comedy that I enjoy is that stupid, you know, linguistic sort of... Can I tell you something? You can. We're going to call back from how this started. Oh, yeah. Dumb and Dumber is better than all of them. (laughs) Right, right? Okay. We'll see. Nope. You'll see. We'll have to go we, and watch the we movie. We all know. We've already. Everybody listening to this has already seen Dumb and Dumber. Oh, okay. So I'm the odd one out. That'd be right. But Big slowdown. We're here. all in a jealous situation that we would like to see it for the first time again. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. So that's the thing. Your 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 feeling with that is the feeling I have with Star Wars. I really wished I got to see it as an adult. First time, you know what I mean? Like, that's the argument you're making with Dumb and Dumber, right? Um, that's the reason why I've really enjoyed... I would make that argument with The Wire to your Star Wars. Oh, okay. My TV show is The Wire. Breaking Bad and The Wire, but The Wire above that. The Wire is the best yeah. TV ever. I know that's the... <laughs> Not going out on a limb there. <laughs> yeah. Because uh... I'm, I'm sitting here at the moment trying to work out you know, my favorite TV stuff. And I, I can't really come up with anything. Like I loved Seinfeld when it was on and I've got the, the full kit and caboodle freaking 12 disc package thing with the coffee book in it and all that I'll sort tell of stuff. You what, Cam, here's what we're going to do. We'll, we'll steal a page out of the stick to sports podcast and we'll do a, a draft of some sort at, at some point in time. Oh, we'll have a look at a miscellaneous thoughts. <laughs> that, that as well. So, um, all right, we can draft some things. That's fine. We'll have to get on top of that. You know, that, I mean, the stick to sports. The the drafting of of things is is their is their thing, or one of their things. I I enjoy may, the podcast. Seeing as we're coming up to playoffs, we may have to do that in the offseason. Yeah, right. No, Sean and Ryan do. Um, I I very much enjoy listening to to that banter 
uh, agree or not, it's it's good banter. So, well, we may have to steal a little bit from that podcast. So, ah, it's called borrowing. I think stealing would be theft. Correct. So we're acquiring an idea. Well, I think that. I had a pretty unofficial top five list, but um, I, I reserve the right for it to change next time we do something like this because a different movie will pop into my head and I'll go wow. But um, yeah, I feel pretty solid with my number one though, as you, as do you. Oh, my number one on that. Well, I don't say never, but yeah, it's going to take a hell of a lot to push push Lloyd Christmas off the top. <sighs> I don't understand any of these references. I'm going to have to That's Jim Carrey's character's name. Oh, Lloyd. Okay, I know that. Lloyd Christmas. Unbelievable. And Harry Dunn. All right, let's get out of here, dude. It's like two hours we've done this for, and... um. Yeah, but we owed it to... Well... Oh, we did. We certainly did. We were off for a bit, but... um. Yeah, if you're still here, great. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Walshy66 at Gunnerstall HockeyHurts.com Patreon.com slash HockeyHurts that I already plugged um, very cleverly too I might add you know I mean at this point I'd, if you're a new listener HockeyBuzz.com HockeyHurts.com you can find everything from there uh, for, for all of our other listeners who already know Thank you. You know where to find us. So, do it, Dave. We'll see you. Gotcha. <laughs>